Welcome to Force Points to the Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Erica Pierce to explore the latest in government cybersecurity news and trending topics. Always covered in 15 minutes or less. Now, let's get to the point. Welcome to To The Point. I'm back this week with Roger Bache, COO of Force Point Federal LLC. Erica is still traveling and we'll get her next week, I promise. But uh, what I wanted to do was pick up from our conversation last week with Roger regarding CUI and CMMC and really delve into the CMMC side of things, the cybersecurity maturity model certification, which is predominantly going to hit uh, federal contractors in the DOD, but I suspect it's going to hit the civilian workforce, uh, civilian contracts also. Roger, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. Glad to be back. What, what do you think about that? I mean, do you do you think this is going to impact CMMC specifically, the civilian model also, or I mean, it's kind of required for DOD, right? Correct. It's starting within the government. It's going to start with DOD. I wouldn't be surprised to see it expand to anyone doing business with the U.S. government going forward. But certainly DOD will be the test bed for implementing this. Why wouldn't you, if you're a, if you're a DHS or, or HUD or, or Department of Energy or Education, why wouldn't you just throw in a requirement for CMMC certification what we talked last week about the levels at, towards the end of the podcast, levels one through five. Why wouldn't you say, I need everybody to be a level three or higher? I see that all the time. Well, I, I think it might come down to cost. I, within DOD, they are going to allow CMC, CMMC to be an allowable cost. Uh, so, and also, uh, if you do not meet the uh, maturity level specified in the RFP. You're not doing business. You're not doing business. You're out of business. So there could be some uh, resistance to implementing that aggressively in other parts of the government. Uh, I, I would, you know, I think it behooves everyone to achieve, you know, certain standards such as NIST 800-171. I mean, it, it's coming, you know, uh, and if, you know, if you look at CMMC, it, it is a um it's a combination of many standards, not just NIST 800-171. It, it includes other standards, even FedRAMP, are being considered. So it's it's a best practice. And, uh, you know, if, you have, if you're doing business with DHS right now and they're not mandating it, I think it just gives you the opportunity to get ahead of the game because I, I suspect it's coming. If you, you can want, comply. If, if you can comply. Correct. So FedRAMP's a great example. I love FedRAMP. I mean, it puts in place... Tons of controls to better secure the cloud service providers, really government customer data that sits at CSPs. The challenge with FedRAMP is it costs a lot more. Yeah, I, I've seen anywhere from 25 to 100% when you look at vendors that are FedRAMP certified, cost increases over the cost, increase, the, the, the cost of the product in a non-FedRAMP world. How with CMMC, you, you talked about the ability to bill the government for CMC, CMMC certification. How do you see that playing out? Any ideas? Well, I think uh, in a number of ways. Uh, one is that I think organizations, companies will have to understand the they're, they're going to have to become compliant. Miss um, um, Arrington has suggested that businesses will need to dedicate significant staffing resources to achieve cybersecurity compliance and improvement. 
Okay. Um, I think for the larger dip companies that already have, you know, a large IT infrastructure, CISO and so on, they probably have the framework. Not that they there aren't additional costs to comply. It's the smaller companies that do not have the, the staff and the infrastructure. It, they're going to have to make a business decision whether they even can uh, play play in the game. Right. I make a I make a widget for an aircraft carrier or, an, or, or, or something that's, you know, very important to the government. I'm the only company in the in the world that makes that. I've got to comply with all of these requirements. It could raise my cost by yeah. a couple hundred percent in some cases. So I, I think in co- places like that, they're going to have to look at potentially outsourcing, uh, maybe uh, some type of managed service where they can maybe uh, um, by virtue of the service become compliant. Not clear. And it's not clear how some of the um, this, this is going to flow down to the other parts of supply chain if you're a prime contractor. That's still t- to be determined. And those services aren't available today. Correct. I mean, there are things with Microsoft and GovCloud and things uh, such as that. But, yeah, that's uh, it, that's part. There are things you can do. I think it's a combination of things. I mean, if you're if you're um, if you're an industry partner and you're not compliant you know it's i would you have a good you have a good roadmap by looking at the nist you know 800 uh do you have an ssp if you don't you, sh- you should you should be working on ssp that. being a, a security uh what's the uh, ssp yeah security plan a security plan i'm trying to remember what the acronym uh, breaks out to but right having a, a security plan you probably should put a, a plan of action milestones in place because uh it's coming so go ahead and prepare for it and do it now if you're going to participate and play in this space, I think, going forward. My hope would be, and I hate using that word, they would allow us as an industry to ease into the requirements. Right. So level one is much more basic than level three. They haven't even published level four and level five as of this date. So, yeah. So I think the general feeling is that most companies that have some level of cybersecurity uh, infrastructure and programs in place will have no problems meeting level one and two. Okay. I think level three and four are going to be more problematic, uh, particularly if you're a smaller company. So, you know, and and the thing is, you know, if you are, um, if you're a company that doesn't handle CUI, uh, you may be able to get by with level one or level two, which is more of an ad hoc cybersecurity framework. But if you're going to be handling CUI, it's unlikely that, that you can do business at level one and two. You're going to have to be at level three. and So maybe level, level three four. is really table stakes in most cases. I believe so. And it could be level four, depending on the type of work you do. Which hasn't even been published right. yet. I want to read something to you, a quote from... Uh, a cyber day, uh, industry cyber day, General Yi, Major General Gary Yi up at DISA said, a very small number um, of the 300,000 DIB, defense industrial-based companies, have state-of-the-art cybersecurity. The majority of them are at the lower end of that one to five scale. That's scary. I mean, yeah. that's scary. 300,000 companies, from what I understand, they have to have a third-party auditor, that's the, that's the intent, come in and audit right. them which they'll also, I mean, huge business for the three PAOs. They'll be able to start up a big business, not just auditing, but consulting and helping companies get there. Um, Yeah, I don't think anybody would argue that we shouldn't have these standards, that they aren't good. The question is, how do you go from zero to 300 miles per hour overnight? And, and, you know, do you or do you have to slowly ramp them up? Well, I think the government would would tell you that, 
you know, there's the dating back, you know, two or three years, there's been an expectation that you would achieve the NIST uh, standards and most companies haven't. So I think that's part right. of the frustration. It's more standards, more cost. Right. But, the, you know, if you think about the threat and uh, particularly how uh, much the, the smaller uh, companies, the lower levels of supply chain have been attacked, I think that the government has to do something. It feels compelled to do something and implementing this model is, uh, you know, one way of getting there. Uh, but it's going to be difficult and painful and expensive, I suspect, uh, for many. And there will have to be business decisions made by many companies on whether they can continue to do business with the government or certainly DOD. I think the opposite side of it is we, we put all this money into R&D and our adversaries steal the information and they stay a couple years behind us, but only a couple years, not decades. Right. Right. Because we're doing all the innovation and they're stealing it and creating products. And that's a real problem. I want to switch gears a little bit. I was talking to a CISO of a very large integrator, uh, federal systems integrator, a couple weeks ago. And I was asking him about CMMC and how that's going to apply to second and third tier subs, the smaller components they work with. You know, if you make a ship or you make a plane, there are thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of suppliers that are under that prime contractor. And I said, are you going to, is it your intention to to push these requirements out to the subs, it absolutely is, right? Because right. they're held to that standard and they're liable. And then I said, well, how do you enable them? You, you have a couple dozen second tier subs or third tier subs. How do you enforce it? How do you enable them? Are you going to set up a service? And the response was something I, I didn't expect. It was, well, no, because there's a liability there if we do that. <laughs> We're going to push the terms down and, and mandate that they comply but we really can't, you know, we, we can't help them because that becomes our business then. And that's a liability to our business. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I mean, we're not typically a prime in our business. Right. We get the terms thrust upon us. Flow down to us. And we're, we're, we're a, you know, we're, we, um, we assert FAR Part 12 and, and um, you know, we, we, um, we sell commercial off the shelf software. But um, I, I don't think there are any easy answers. I don't think the government has completely uh, identified how it's going to flow down to all levels of supply chain. So that'll be interesting to see. And, you know, if you're, um, if you're a large mission system integrator and you're relying on several small companies for key technology that is not available anywhere else, you're going to have to make a business decision do you find a way to uh, help those small companies become compliant? Uh, I, I think there's going to have to be some out-of-the-box thinking here, and um, everyone should probably be assessing their supply chain right now to understand what, where the risk is. Because it's not just a risk for these small companies. It's I actually would argue it's a much larger risk for the, the large integrators that are relying on the supply chain to, to perform. I agree with you. At a different industry event, um, Admiral Nancy Norton, Vice Admiral Nancy Norton, DISA director, mentioned that uh, in her keynote, as an industry partner, you must understand who and what is at stake in this environment. Build cybersecurity into all of your products and services and capabilities from concept to completion. Be as innovative in your approach to cybersecurity as you are in your functional requirements. But that's almost asking... Once again, let, let, let's say I make a wheel strut for an aircraft. You're almost asking me to be as proficient in cybersecurity as I am 
in creating that wheel strut or an engine. Pick on an engine manufacturer. Engines have a very advanced technology in them. You're saying I have to be as good at cybersecurity or find somebody who is maybe is the answer, outsource it, as I am in engineering that engine, designing and, and creating and producing that engine. I get it. It's an aspirational goal. It, this is going to be tough. I agree it's going to be tough, but I I don't see, um, you know, I, I know the feedback we're getting is that there will be no waivers and no POAMs if you're not compliant. So it's going to be interesting when we do implement this and we start seeing this the CMC, CMMC requirements coming out in RFIs or RFPs, uh, how uh, the government will respond if they do not get the uh, feedback uh, or the you know the, the inputs from industry, or they do they they see key key players deciding not to participate, how they'll respond. Yeah, what do you do? Well, you yeah. can't buy a strut anymore. Right, right. It's just not desirable to do business. Or the other thing I was thinking about: if you're a federal contractor, let's say for a second the DoD is actually requiring CMMC, but your civilian customers aren't. Right. How do you do something as simple? I mean, do you have a separate, do you have a separate GSA schedule for CMMC compliant capability versus I, not? I think yeah. So different they, price points. DOD has is said that you know you should be looking at um, you know including this in your rates, and if you are, um, how do you pass that cost along? It's a great question. And, you know, one way to do it would be to have separate rates. But, you know, if you're a company like Forcepoint, where we have a GSA schedule, uh, those those prices are for all U.S. government customers. So I don't even know if the government has fully contemplated that. Uh, I haven't seen anything specific to that other than the fact that you can you can um, you know, you can pass along that cost. So um, something we're looking at now, try to fully understand what our options are in your travels. Have you talked to anybody on the government contracting side? I know, I, I know from our relationship, you spent a lot of time with government contracts where they're adding funding. They're, they're creating additional funding because of CMMC requirements that are going to increase the program costs of whatever the program may be. I have not seen that yet, but it's, it's uh, probably a topic we really need to uh, have with our discussion we need to have with our, with our customers. I'm going to ask your opinion here. I won't hold you to this. So if we can assume for a second that most DOD programs will have some level of CMMC requirements in the future and that the government has allowed for bill back of CMMC, does that not in, in inherently increase the cost of most, if not all, government programs, regardless of whether they're cybersecurity programs or they're back to that engine or wheel strut? Yeah, it's it, they, they've made it clear that it, the CMMC certification is is required whether or not you're handling CUI. So um, I think the, the difference is if you're if you're building wheel struts, and uh, the the RFP you respond to has a CMMC level one maturity requirement, mm -hmm. it'll be a lot easier to. And I suspect that's going to happen. I, th I think for. Unless they're made with very, very classified well, technology, yeah, like some high-tech high right. carbon fiber, yeah, yeah. radar-evading well, material. Or by virtue, if it's on a, a, a uh, an aircraft or a platform that is, is classified or has sensitive you know, aspects to it, the end customer maybe decide to, to require everything to be CMMC level three or four, which then is a, you know, an impact that may be an unintended uh, consequence. So I think... 
customers are going to really have to think hard about the certification level they're prescribing. So I think there are a lot of nuances that we don't fully understand that will play out over the next year or two. So the good news is a lot of industry days coming up. Um, Draft version dot six is out. One O is coming, coming out. out in January. The government's going in the right direction here. I mean, nobody can argue that this is a this is something we shouldn't do. We shouldn't increase cybersecurity protection of the DIB capabilities, right? Oh, I, I think everyone agrees. It's just how it's implemented, and, and, and is it achievable? Well, I'd love to bring you back after Dot One comes out and get your thoughts. I know, as a mid-sized company, we're we're going through the same questions as the smalls and the larges are, and even the and even the DoD. You know, how do we implement this most effectively? How do we how do we deal with the spirit and the intent and also comply, though? Right. Exactly. We'd love to come back and follow up uh, in order, after the new standards are promulgated. Awesome. Roger, thanks. I know we don't have all the answers, but I really appreciate the dialogue. Sure. Certainly, Derek. Eric. <laughs> great, great discussion. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Until next week, thanks for signing in and, and listening to To The Point. Uh, this has been a great two-part session with Roger Bache, COO of Forcepoint Federal LLC. Subscribe, listen to us on your uh, your favorite podcast streaming application. Any comments, questions, feedback, send them our way. We'd love to get your feedback. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Google Play Store 